Your son, he's gone. He was weak and foolish, like his father. So I destroyed him. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Weekend Foolish Movie Podcast. I am your host, Mike Tang. Joining me are my fellow podcasters, Albert Liu. Hey, everyone. And Hannah Lee Sang. Hi, everyone. Every year, the Super Bowl of movies takes place sometime in February or March, where many people in the film industry celebrate the best of the best from that year. If you love movies and care about the people who make them, the Academy Awards or the Oscars is the biggest event, the biggest event. And predicting winners is almost like a sport. There's Las Vegas odds and all that stuff going on, gambling over who's going to win which award. Now, I'm going to go into a little bit of the details on how the Oscars are actually decided for those of you listening who aren't familiar with uh, the process with this award show. There are about 10,500 members of the Academy, actors, directors, screenwriters, producers, etc. Members will vote within their own field. So the actors will vote for the acting awards, directors vote for the directing awards, and then so forth. Best Picture is actually voted on by all members. Each member provides a ranking of their Best Picture choices, and then the film that gets the most first place votes wins Best Picture. So that's kind of like how the process for the Oscars works. And for us here on this podcast, we love the Oscars. A lot of us have been watching the Oscars since we were kids. It's always like a fun event to kind of see who is uh, who's up for nominations, if our favorite films that year get nominated, our favorite actors get nominated. And it's just kind of fun to get together with some friends and fill out some ballots and predict the winners. Now, um, in our uh, little group, we actually have come up with our own set of rules for our Oscars challenge. Okay, so we have actually... 19 categories where we have to predict the most winners. Okay. And the most, whoever predicts the most winners wins. This doesn't include four of the Oscar categories. So, uh, best documentary feature, best documentary short, best live action short, and best animated short. Those categories we don't include in the 19 categories that we are uh, uh, putting on our ballots. Okay, so we are using those categories, though, for uh, tiebreakers, right? So if there is a tie, um, and so we're going to use those uh, categories as a to decide who who's going to be the winner, because those categories are actually a lot more difficult to predict. So it's a little bit more like a, of a wild card. Our uh, Oscars ballots actually have to be finalized prior to the Guild Awards. So the Screen Actors Guild Awards, the Directors Guild, Producers Guild, uh, a WGA Writers Guild. And the reason why is because the Guild Awards are probably the best indicator on what's going to win at the Oscars. Now, it's not a 100% guarantee, but since the members of the Guild Awards and the Academy have the most overlap in terms of uh, membership, uh, the Guild Awards actually have been the strongest lead up to the Oscars. A lot of people confuse like Golden Globes as being a good uh, forerunner to the Oscars, and that's actually not true. The... the um, the Golden Globes are actually decided by the Hollywood Hollywood Foreign Press, so they don't actually have overlap with the Academy. Okay, so that's why Golden Globes are not the best indication. In this episode, okay, so we're going to be talking about our picks on this podcast for the 2024 Oscars. We're going to focus on certain categories, but we may end up discussing other ones too. We're going to focus on best picture, the best acting categories, actor, actress, supporting actor, actress, Best Director, and Best Adapted and Original Screenplays. Uh, I think the main highlight, I think, of this year's competition is our fellow podcaster, Paul Shu. Paul, welcome, by the way. Hi. Yeah, he's uh, Paul's uh, coming in a little bit late, but uh, you know, he just missed the, the brief introduction we just had. Paul, your picks are probably the highlight of this year because everybody else kind of picked Oppenheimer. Okay, so most, pretty much everybody in our group Best Picture, we picked Oppenheimer. Best Actor, we picked Killian Murphy. Best Director, we all picked Christopher Nolan. And Mr. Paul Shu here went the opposite direction. He picked Killers of the Flower Moon for Best Picture, Paul Giamatti for Best Actor, and Martin Scorsese for Best Director. 
Now, uh, we made sure that Paul showed his face on this podcast uh, today because we want him to kind of answer for his his uh, controversial choices. So, Paul, why don't you uh, let us know your reasoning for picking these odd choices, seemingly odd choices? Yeah, well, let, let me stop you right there because uh, they are not odd choices. Uh, they are what's going to happen. Uh, I'm, and I, th I think the only way to really explain it to you guys in ways that you can understand is that your your third eye is closed. Simply, that's uh, that's the reason that you guys uh, don't have the same answers as me. So uh, I guess where do I start? Um, okay, best picture. So I guess before I start, my, my question to you guys is, what do you think was the last movie from the Oscars that one best picture that made at least five hundred million dollars. Um, let's see. Not Lord of the Rings, is it? Return of the King. Uh that is in fact the answer. Oh, Two thousand three, Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King. So, using that evidence, uh, that that's a good that that's a good uh, launching point because. Let, let me tell you something about the Academy. Okay. It's, it's very rarely that every, like that each year, the best movie actually gets awarded best picture. It's a way of the Academy telling everyone else like, Hey, this is like, we are a distinguished lot and our taste in movies are better than yours. So, and, and, and we're going to avoid, we're going to award those movies that are oftentimes pretentious or snobby, the best picture. So Oppenheimer, as you guys know, has around $950 million in box office. And it's a, uh, it's made by a guy who is well loved by audience members, which is already not a good look for the Academy because they don't want to be seen associated with, with the general public. So any, any film I think that is, commercially successful they're kind of just like eh, you know so wh when i play the oscars game I, I i really just try to see it through see it through all the politics and through all of the the gamesmanship that will happen so to me it was easy to not pick oppenheimer because i feel like the academy has had numerous opportunities over christopher nolan's decorated career to award him with some of the biggest awards, right? He's he's produced some fantastic films. Um, and yeah, he's gotten stuff like best visual effects or something like that, best cinematography, but never any of the like big, big awards. And I, I just think that this year is no different. Um, I think Killers of the Flower Moon is a really good film that is loved by the Academy. It's a very good, I mean, I mean, to be honest, like I, I think most of us who watched it love the film, and I, I personally really love the film too. But I just think it's a more popular uh, Academy pick. So, and in terms of um, the director, yeah, I mean, people love Scorsese. I think he's only won Best Director like once, right? So, it, it could also be one of those things where it's like, you know, Nolan has he's Nolan's only like fifty or something. He he has all these all these uh, years down the line to win it. So they could be, they could just give Scorsese the award because it's like kind of like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio where it's like, you know, like an honorary achievement type of thing. So just give it to him one more time. And, you know, it, if he does win, which he will, uh, it will be a lot, it, you know, it'll be deserved because Killers of the Flower Moon is a really good mood. But that, that's essentially my, my rationale. Well, if you remember in 2007, uh, The Departed won Best Picture, right? And Martin Scorsese won Best Director for The Departed. And he was a director who was always passed over by the Academy, right? He did Raging Bull. He did Goodfellas, like banger and classic after classic after Masterpiece. And he kept getting overlooked. And then finally, um, it kind of came to the point where like they had to give him an award at some point and so that came with the departed it was clearly not his best film but it kind of felt like a lifetime achievement award type situation and i feel like a lot of us see oppenheimer as that it's like 
Is Oppenheimer Christopher Nolan's best movie? Uh, no. This guy's filmography is so stacked. Like, I gave it four and a half stars on Letterboxd, but this is like number nine or number eight in terms of his ranking because that's just how many masterpieces this guy has turned out. And I feel like he's he's earned his due. And um, just kind of seeing the awards leading up to this, the attention that Oppenheimer is getting, I think... I think it's the safest bet. Uh, I think a wild bet is Killers of Flower Moon because that movie has zero momentum right now. Uh, the BAFTAs, the uh, British Film Awards, basically happened this past weekend, and Oppenheimer took Best Picture. And so, you know, it, it just seems like that's the wave. I mean, we'll see what happens with the Guild Awards, but that's not for like I think uh, I think this upcoming week the Guild Awards are are starting. Yeah, I mean, I know the Academies have. Every now and then, they've they've been known to to surprise to take some uh to take some unexpected turns, right? Uh, I think the year when Chadwick Boseman was nominated for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, we all expected him to win Best Actor. So much so, in fact, that the Academy purposely made Best Actor the last category, even after Best Picture, because it was just a fitting send off, and they just had one of the biggest announcement nuclear bombs of all time and <laughs> announced Anthony <laughs> Hopkins as the winner. Yeah. So uh, you never know, man. And wait, let's let's talk about when that actually that announcement happened. I think um it's would be an interesting bit for our, our listeners to hear because we were all watching that together. And from what I distinctly remember, I think we all thought it would be Chadwick Boseman, but well just some context also we we're watching it over Zoom together. <laughs> And this is in the year 2020 during the height of the pandemic, right? And then so we're watching it all on our computers over Zoom. And then Hannah, you can continue the story. And they go on to announce Anthony Hopkins as the winner. And I think Paul legitimately disappeared from the Zoom. <laughs> but not only that, I think all of our broadcasts were lagging maybe like a second or half a second. So we didn't even know who had actually been announced as the winner. So Paul disappeared right before some of us had actually even heard who the winner was. We're what the heck is going on? And yeah, that was, I have to admit, that was a bizarre, bizarre moment. But um, yeah, that's so funny that you bring that up because I had totally forgotten about that. I, I feel bad about that moment because I like kind of spoiled it for you guys, but I just, I just could not contain my oh you, you didn't you didn't spoil it it was no. so memorable to us it's like one of our <laughs> oscar highlights so you gave us like yeah just seeing you run off i'm like for you know we didn't even have time to think of what that meant and then and then we heard the winner and we're like oh my gosh <laughs> anthony yeah. hopkins yeah i think some of us screamed i mean yelled, and, yeah yeah i mean anthony hopkins didn't expect it he was he was asleep in his room or in his bed in like the uk or something and he woke up he's like huh <laughs> yeah i i think paul like you bring up some really valid points and i think everything you said about the academy um is true and i think that's really how it's been especially the last the last like 10-ish years or so on and off but i think i agree with mike when i say that if oppenheimer isn't the film that's going to win best picture I don't think it's going to be Killers of the Far Moon of all of them. Oh, okay. Well, that's, and I have started to kind of have this thought because, you know, we all agree that the Oscars is a race, right? I think timing matters, campaigning matters, how much money they throw into campaigning matters, et cetera. But a lot of things have been different this year because of the strikes. But not only that, I think it's really hard to compare, I think, the awards to the last few years because we have to remember covid you know and i think covid post covid like i think all those things are really important and the biggest theme that i've heard this year really is that people have finally started coming back to the movies right and i think barbenheimer barbie and oppenheimer was like this huge event that like pretty much brought people back this summer right so I think the way that people watch movies is very different now. I think potentially the way that the Academy sees movies could be very different. Um, 
I agree that they are kind of like a pretentious bunch. And to be honest, I don't even think all of them watch all the movies. Um, I actually had a drama teacher in high school and her husband was part of um, the academies. And he would get like those at the time, like DVDs sent to their house. And I remember we met at their house once and he had like stacks and stacks of like the DVDs. And we were asking her what it was. And she's like, oh, yeah, he has to watch those before he casts his votes. But he's not going to watch them. You know, and I'm sure that's. 100% how it is across the board. So they all end up kind of defaulting to like certain movies that they know have like a certain reputation. But if not Oppenheimer, I think the real, real question is really which movie will receive the best picture award. And again, I don't think it's Killers of the Far Moon. If anything, I am actually honestly leaning towards Poor Things. Ooh, okay. Whoa, that's, no, that's a shocker. Uh, that's a very good pick. Uh, and, and I have to agree with you. I mean, I, I have some colleagues who either have like a, a parent or or a husband who works in the industry and they are actually part of the academy. And yeah, I mean, I've heard that exact same story you said, which, which is most of them will never finish most of the movies that they're sent. There is some sort of group think sometimes that gets figured into uh who ultimately wins? Um, but to also to Mike's point earlier, I, I I'd have to agree. I, I my my money's kind of more on Oppenheimer, ironically for the same reasons that you know Paul had outlined why it shouldn't win because I think there is a certain history that the Academy has for sort of awarding um, films or, or or people involved in those films and they feel like oh it's time you know I mean. It took Spielberg a while to get Best Director, even though he was nominated numerous times before uh, Best Director. You know, uh, I, I kind of felt like, well, at the time, I felt like Denzel uh, winning for Training Day was also one of those awards. Although now looking back, I was like, no, that actually is one of the best performances ever. But, um, uh, you know, and, and that, for that reason, it's probably also why I also agree with uh, Paul about one of the picks that, he has uh, that sort of deviated from what everybody else selected, which is for best actor. I do think there is a um, sort of a certain trend where voters are like, okay, he's, they waited long enough. Let, let, let's just give it to them, you know. Um, hopefully, you know, I hope the Academy um, has sort of recognized that, you know, Nolan is part of the reason why people are going back to theaters. This year, I was a little disappointed that, you know, I, I didn't expect Top Gun 2 to win. The year was, uh, it was out, but I was kind of hoping at least it would get that recognition, right? It's, it's, you know, all things considered, it's still magnificently uh, a crafted uh, piece of work that got people going into the theater. So I, I'm kind of hoping that, you know, that's not a strike against it. And I'm also kind of hoping that, you know, the Academy has been, trying really really hard to stay relevant by sort of diversifying um uh their voters and maybe that that might you know um maybe give us an award uh, an oscar awards where you know who who most people think should win you know the awards would win right we've, we've all been disappointed before and in the long run does it matter no you know there's that popular saying no one remembers annie hall everybody remembers star wars so at the end of the day that you know whether film wins best picture or not isn't an indication of how they survive time but nonetheless you know i think at least in the short term they, they do become important topics of, of discussion right um whether for entertainment or otherwise Albert, you mentioned Paul's choice for best actor. Uh, why why Paul Giamatti over Killian Murphy? Because it's time. <laughs> That's exactly why I think he's going to get it. I mean, you could, you could say the same thing about Killian Murphy too, right? You could. You could. Um, I agree with that. But I think there's also something about Paul Giamatti's, you know, library of work. He's probably been nominated more times for things and and still not gotten that best actor prize uh and i think maybe i'm going to assume i haven't seen it but i'm going to assume that the holdovers came out the gates so surprisingly uh uh 
for folks in December that that memory of the the movie and and Paul Giamatti's performance uh is is still fresh in their minds and you know uh well, it's it's amazing you you got to right. see it I, I was gonna i thought i'll watch it today actually but i didn't so maybe tomorrow or something yeah and if if he did win i don't think anyone would be upset because that's like, other that's, thing yeah, yeah yeah that's like the the best performance of his career like we love his performance but yeah paul so is that uh, like just want to hear some of your reasoning for picking him over killian murphy yeah well <clears throat> to be honest i i i picked him because i saw a lot of articles uh about how he actually has a better chance to win it um i can't i can't remember like what articles i saw but i just remember seeing so many of them where i was like oh shoot okay maybe killian murphy isn't gonna win this one so i mean for me it yeah it, it's kind of like one and one a um so i i don't i don't know how confident i am with paul giamatti but i mean i it, it's on brand it's on brand i feel like uh if the Academy's going to shut out Oppenheimer and all the major awards, it doesn't make uh, it makes sense for them to not award Killian Murphy. It's because um, Killian Murphy wasn't ugly enough; like his transformation wasn't <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, for him to win the Best Actor award. So once he takes that role where he becomes really ugly and, uh, and unrecognizable, he'll win that Best Actor, and then you know Paul Giamatti will win it this time, maybe because of his eye. Goes in two different directions. Yeah, exactly. I like yeah, literally yeah. googled it and thought that like he had gotten some condition over the last few. Years. <laughs> A movie like it was super realistic. So no, yeah. I mean yeah, Paul, I hear you. Like I feel the same way too. And I think like a lot of my Oscar votes. Um, I actually took a really long time to fill out my ballot because um, there's a side of me that's very hopeful, and I hope that the Oscars will, you know, the Academy will actually award the people that I feel like deserve it like i actually just have come off of watching oppenheimer like fresh off off watching it this week and it was brilliant you know and i gave it a five star on letterbox i loved it but i think i hear you when you say like the academy doesn't always give the movies that the public likes or deserves um these awards so yeah i mean let's look at the year that la la land didn't win right <laughs> yeah. i love that that's Perfect just the example. best i love that moment oh that's yeah just, that's why that's why i watch the oscars sometimes not because it's like oh i care that much about who wins but for moments like that it's like yes oh, the, the show itself is dramatic very dramatic and, and uh very unexpected things happen i mean there's that and then there's also will smith slapping a uh, chris rock <laughs> you know it's yeah. uh yeah something always happens every couple of years um, I, I will say this on the note of like they don't always award what's popular. Uh, last year they gave it to Best Picture to Everything Everywhere All at Once, which was financially successful. I mean, it's not a billion dollar movie, but it still made a lot of money and um, is a critical and and commercial success, right? And so I think they gave it to that movie, and, and I think it was well deserved as well. I don't think any of us picked it as our number one movie. I think all of us. On this podcast, one of our, my favorite episodes on this podcast was our top 10 uh, episode last year where all four of us had the same number one pick uh, in Top Gun Maverick. Um, but then you, the year before that, even 2022, they gave it a coda. Uh, it was not my number one movie of the year, but it slayed me. I, I can't watch that movie without crying and tearing up. So uh, I think the past couple of years, they've kind of changed it up. You know, it's not always art house movies they did give it to nomadland in 2021 a movie which nobody saw but still like it's i think it's it's worthy of winning uh, the award um you know so i i feel like they have changed like the, their membership and like who makes up the academy and i think it kind of reflects like what's popular now more than more than before yeah but if we're going off of like pure nominations and which films actually won based on how many nominations they had the year of nomadland like mank was the one that actually had the most nominations i believe oh, i could thank be god wrong. that didn't win yeah <laughs> yeah i believe that that's yeah i'm correct that's the one that had the most nominations um and then even the year of coda like don't do we all remember what coda was competing against dune right and dune had the most nominations and didn't win so mm. 
Mm, I don't know, Paul. Now I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> well, ballot's locked, but now I'm like really skeptical that Optic Optimera is actually going to win this year. I think it is a little different this time. I think Nolan is just, he's he's too influential of a director to be ignored, right? He's inspired at least the last generation of filmmakers who have grown up and, and, move, and other movie makers who in all sorts of fields uh, who have cited his films as an example. Now they're probably part of the pool of voters uh, um, out there. We've, we've come quite a long way since the dark Knight. I, I really do feel like we have. So. Uh, let, let's, uh, let's talk about Paul's choice for adapted screenplay as well. Uh, picked up Barbie over Oppenheimer. Uh, is that the same reason you're just like on the, uh, Anti Oppenheimer train. Yeah, well, I think Barbie has a much more uh uh inline political message uh with uh what the <laughs> with what society is uh, is very uh hot what on is right now. This political message, Paul. I'm really curious what you think this political message is. Uh is that being women being a woman is hard. Uh, and all women are queens. Okay, so that's what <laughs> that's what Barbie's about. I fully agree with Barbie. Okay, uh, I'm not trying to be uh, anti-feminist. Okay, I'm an ally of of the feminists, <laughs> and uh, I I just think uh, a part of me also thinks that like if they don't award Barbie with anything major, there's going to be some like riots and stuff. So, uh, uh, that's that's like uh, that's the Academy just covering its own butt. Dude, it's totally going to win best production design. Uh, yeah, oh. yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, but I, I don't. I, know, I, don't I, I don't know. Major enough, like a major but, enough. Yeah, that's not like a. Yeah, yeah. that's not like a adapted. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 my money is still on poor things on that. I think, how you know, if you want, if you've seen, I don't know how many of you have seen the movie. It's just the way they sort of built those sets so they can um, move the characters from one place of the set to another. It's it's too good. So, but that, but who knows? Maybe, maybe they will. I mean, I, I can't say that Barbie did a bad job either. Translating a toy franchise to a big screen can't be easy in its own way. So we'll see, I guess. I guess I picked Barbie because I, I just, I heard, heard stories about how like the world ran out of like ink, the color pink in terms of the ink and the paint and whatever. So I think that's pretty amazing that a movie can one movie can drain the world of a color that's available. So I don't know. I th and I, I thought the sets were pretty cool too. And Barbie, I didn't see the poor things. So yeah, I think maybe that counted against me in in the voting in our ballots. Yeah, that that's the last movie that I have to watch from twenty twenty three to finish like my I guess my watch list. I heard it's very sexually explicit, like lots and lots of sex. So I just decided to sit out of this one. Thematically, it's like the hardcore version of Barbie. <laughs> so I mean, it's got oh. they share a lot of the same themes, actually. But uh, uh, so I mean, if I think if people were saying, well, the Academy's, you know, if they're trying to seem more progressive in a certain way, I think awarding poor things and instead of Barbie for some of these categories wouldn't be a strike against them, in my opinion. Um, and just just for my own clarification, is American fiction in this category as well for adapted, or is that original? Ooh. Oh, it is adapted, right? Because it's based on a book. Is poor things adapted as well for screenplay? I think poor things is also a book interesting interesting yeah. so shoot if if american fiction is on that list too then that kind of throws things throws a wrench in my plans i i i may favor american fiction over barbie but i don't know american, yeah, american fiction, fiction is nom yeah it is nominated for adopted screenplay okay so it's zone of interest oh yeah 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 i think this category is actually pretty stacked so oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to see what happens. And I think if you all remember, Barbie was originally supposed to be like best original screenplay, right? And then got moved to adapted screenplay, I believe. Or there was some controversy, I think. Um, yeah, because it was based on an IP, mm -hmm. existing mm -hmm. IP. 
Yeah. Yeah, these rules are interesting. Yeah, really, really interesting. Weird, it's like, <laughs> I mean, it's like kind of like, you know, best foreign picture. There's always been really strange rules about that, too. Like, right? Like, sometimes I think it's based, I don't know if they changed it recently, but it's like just based on, you know, how much English is in the movie. Well, that's, that's ridiculous, right? It, it doesn't, I, it wasn't Minari one of those those movies yeah. yeah exactly which is ridiculous it's an american mm -hmm. story it, so you know i don't know that's 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 when i think uh, who cares what the academy thinks are stupid <laughs> yeah. i think best adapted screenplay though specifically was um pretty hard for myself too to decide like who to put down and then i just ended up putting barbie as well i think the one thing that i have to say and and they keep pushing that narrative about Oppenheimer is that it was written in first person. And I think and 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 if you've I started reading the script and I think, you know, providing that all the voters did, who knows if they did, you know, I think it's it's sort of a very interesting way of approaching how you're gonna film a movie. And and that was sort of why I uh I uh I selected uh, Oppenheimer as as uh as a uh, as uh, best adapted. I mean, yeah, it's true. You guys are making valid points, but also if they don't pick Barbie, then the Academy is misogynistic and hates all women. So I think that's why Barbie's a good bet to win. Well, let's talk about a category where it seems like our group was actually split on. A bunch of us picked the holdovers for best original screenplay, and then some of us picked past lives. So I kind of want to talk about, you know, your reasoning. I see now that Paul and Hannah picked past lives, uh, and then I, <laughs> I picked a, I picked the holdovers. Oh, I, I put, I put, I, I, I think I chose past lives as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess I should. I, well, I'm wondering, you guys, why did you guys pick past lives over holdovers? I am Korean, and this is a Korean <laughs> story, so. Yeah, and I, I didn't mean to mistaken... laugh at you, Hannah, but I get it. I get it. No, I I get it. But I, I I get mistaken for being Korean a lot, so that's why I pick past lives. Yeah, that that's exactly why I knew Paul Paul picked past lives as well. I uh... I guess I get mistaken for being white, so that's why I picked the holdovers. Yeah, it totally makes sense. <laughs> I, you know, I I think the reason why I I think past lives will be sort of like a surprise win because I think. Yeah. You know, there is some sort of strange feeling about it that, oh, probably should have picked up more nominations, but didn't. So in, in these sort of later competitions, you start seeing it kind of garner these these uh, sort of sympathy, <laughs> sympathy awards. Like, I think Celine Song got like an award from the DGAS or like best new director, which I didn't even know was a category. And I kind of feel like uh, that there's also like, this 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 thing about you know good romance movies yeah i i i don't know i i don't know why my my instinct is i feel like past lives might have an edge uh for it i it might be a sympathy vote but but i think there's there's gonna be a few sympathy uh wins at least a couple uh throughout tonight and i i think it's one of them i really do i mean my rationale was just because they're asian uh, we can't let all the white people win all the awards, right? <laughs> uh, I, I, that's a hundred percent what the academy is. They're, they're they're all in one room. They're like, wait, we can't let all the whites win. So you got to give them something. Paul's always got this cap on this, like <laughs> this Oscars cap on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. but, well, but what if they think we we what if they think? Oh, the Asians took took it all last year. So yeah, exactly. I was yeah, gonna that's say, true. About, they're like the last few years. It's that's yeah. true. That's true. So they don't want to give it. But see, that's that's why Past Lives is going to be the only one with Asians that wins this year. So it's um, it's, it's all gamifying the Academy Awards. I, yeah, I mean, I just want to say, like, I don't want a DEI award. You know, like, <laughs> I want Past yeah. Lives to win it because I think Celine Song like legitimately deserves it. And again, you know, I made a joke that I'm Korean, so I put this down as um, best original screenplay. But honestly, like, if we look at the list for best original screenplay i feel like holdovers past lives and anatomy of a fall are probably the only ones that are actually really competing and have like an edge over maestro and may december 
Um, I thought Anatomy of a Fall was great, but I still think Past Lives edges it out a little bit. But I will acknowledge that this film was controversial in its reception because I feel like the people that loved it loved it like was on the extreme side of loving it while the other side could not understand and thought that it was like the most boring film that they'd ever seen are you talking about past lives or Mm -hmm. yeah interesting i mean i I was gonna say the other thing is alexander payne's already got a couple of academy awards too i think that might work in past lives server but i i get what you're saying there were some people i was like extremely ecstatic about talking about past lives and and uh and they were like, no. Eh. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. You weren't moved. You weren't emotionally moved by that story. Yeah. That's uh that's Paul and Job here on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> the pacing really bothered you guys, I feel. No, I really did not vibe with my Korean heritage. Oh, uh that's, that's why I, I, I didn't love the movie. But uh hey, I mean Past Lives is like a letterbox favorite. I think it's maybe rated higher than Oppenheimer on Letterboxd. And uh it's I you know I I like to peruse the Reddits uh, often about movies, and uh, uh, Past Lives is definitely one of those like, like oh, if you like Past Lives, like then you're a legit cinephile, and if you don't like it, then you're a you're a like a basic, you know, movie watcher or something like that. Like I always see Past Lives as a specific like uh, measurement of like you know how 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 experienced of a moviegoer you are. So I'm I'm just like okay, it's it's got it's got a good amount of pretentiousness attached to it so yeah so basically it means i won't go watch movies with you anymore paul <laughs> what but i will go watch movies with mike and albert because <laughs> i made very selective choices on who i went to go watch past lives with dude and just watch all the korean movies with me dude <laughs> Since I'm the only one who picked the holdovers on this uh, podcast, I need to talk about it. Like, I think that this is a film like you don't make movies like this anymore. Like we don't see movies like the holdovers. We haven't seen it. Something like this. It feels like it's from like the 70s, you know, made in the 70s or the 60s. Um, so and, and the humor in this movie is so biting. There's so many memorable lines, things that I want to quote to people like the line. Um, Hannah, have you seen the holdovers? Yes, and I loved it, but it's Albert I, that hasn't seen it. Yeah, I also did not actually think that it was that original of a screenplay. Yeah, I mean, we've seen movies like this before. Yes, but like thirty years ago. Yes, but Past so, Lives is very new and very fresh. <laughs> I mean, past, our best original screenplay, everyone. I mean, is the story about a flat past lives like truly original? Like, I, I feel like I've seen dramas like that before. Okay, I don't want. I, I agree with you, Mike. I, I, I think I've seen. I, I understand what you mean by dramas because it, it's very reminiscent of movies like the Before trilogy in that sense. Yeah, but yeah. I, I was think how I, I, I would say I, I think it's a, you know, a different script in the sense that like there are many. Like, it's just the Asian version of that. Well, it's like many, but it deals with many meanings of, of one thing, right? Past the very title, past lives. I mean, we talked about on our podcast. There's, 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 there's different layers to what they're talking about when they refer to past lives, and I think that's kind of what gives it gives the script, you know, a lot of texture that I think you don't see nowadays. You know, it's not just banter, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and just to be clear, I love past lives, so I'm just, I'm just trying to play like you know, devil's advocate. Where I'm just trying to be the Paul here in this conversation. Yes, because sounds uh, like you hated it when you just said that. No, I, oh no, I, I absolutely loved it. You know, <laughs> um, let's talk about best animated film. Okay, uh, we were split on this one too. A bunch of people picked The Boy and the Heron, the Hayao Miyazaki film including myself, and then some people picked Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, a movie which I loved way more than The Boy and the Heron. So I just kind of want to know the your your guys' reasoning for that. Like, uh, why were we so split on this? Uh, you know, I, I'm on the record saying as long as Disney doesn't win this year, I, I, I you know, I, I don't... I would be fine with any of the other movies winning. I really would. I, I think the diversity of 
of great anime films from other studios is a good thing and should be celebrated. I th I think it's good for everyone. That being said, you know, I actually think Spider-Man is the better movie and I wouldn't be surprised if it won too. I just think that there's a lot of Hayao Miyazaki has become much more of a household name uh, even though he wasn't for a while. It, like In the 80s and 90s, he was really known to people who love animation, animators alike, right? He's an animator's animator. Uh, but I think because his movies have grown so much in influence uh i i, I definitely think his best movies are uh those movies are behind him and i but i think the boy and the heron is such a surrealist personal piece of work that no other animator could probably pull off i think that kind of nudges me into thinking it's going to win and also what i said about people feeling sentimental about Hayao Miyazaki. This could be his his last movie. Now, would he care whether he wins the Academy Award or not? Probably not. But I think, you know, animated uh, animation fans would, would definitely not object to him winning, even if they think his best days are, oops, behind him. So, yeah. Yeah, I also went with reputation um, versus, like, the actual, I guess, like, animated film itself. Um I actually liked Spider-Man Across Spider-Verse. Like, I think it's really well-made, well-crafted. Um, if I was to stick to, like, my Korean roots, I probably should have voted for Elemental. You know? Shout out to Peter Sohn. Um, But I did not really enjoy Elemental <laughs> that much. <laughs> like, it didn't make me cry as much as I thought I would. So, um, yeah, The Boy and the Heron. I honestly think, like, there's a lot of respect on Miyazaki's name and... Um, I'm actually kind of really hoping that it'll happen for I, I, Yeah, I think it's going to be very close. I, I, I really do. But whoever wins, I, I'd be happy for them. Yeah. All right. So, Paul, uh, why do you think Spider-Man over Born the Heron? Because uh, they awarded Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man, the Oscar. So I feel like it has good, it has good traction, it has good history. Uh, and even though I love Miyazaki, um, and I, I very much enjoy The Boy and the Heron. I think Spider-Man is a better movie as well. Um, and I think it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's a toss-up for sure. But I just think that, uh, I mean, it's it, it, it's it got, you know, reason to 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 win just because, you know, the the people, the Academy loved the first one so much too. So, and that was like, what, 2017? Or wait, when did, when did the first Spider-Verse movie come out? Uh, I want to say 2018. 2018. Oh, 2018. 2018. Okay. Yeah. I just feel like it, it also went up against like some some heavy hitters as well, like uh, like Pixar films and Disney, because like Albert said, like Disney usually like dominates that category. And I remember when it won, it was kind of like a big surprise, right? So uh, I just feel like uh, it's it, it'll be close, but I, I think Spider Spider Man will will take it. Uh, the other thing I would have to mention is the other reason why I don't think Spider-Man will get it, although I think it could be very, very close, is that I think people are acutely aware it's the middle the chapter of a trilogy. And I think sometimes they'll award the last chapter instead of like the first or second entries. But I'm going by Lord of the Rings, you know, and, and not, you know, Godfather. Sorry. <laughs> yep. Yeah, sure. good point. If Spider-Verse does win, and then if the third film is just as excellent as the first two, like we could be looking at a potential trilogy of films that win the Oscar. I think that's like unheard of. I don't think that's been done before, but you know, you guys can fact check me on that. But I, I think that would be like a stunning feat if they if they could pull that off. I'm obviously rooting for Spider-Man, but for the sake of this challenge. I just kind of went with Miyazaki uh, for the reason that you guys said. Um, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about our tiebreakers. Uh, all of us picked the exact same thing for our tiebreakers. Everyone picked this exact same stuff. So if we do have a tie, then we are screwed because everyone has the same choices. Okay, so we got 20s, 20s and Marvel for best doc documentary feature. Uh, Nine White Pool for best documentary short, which I kind of want to talk about because this guy, the director of this film, Sean Wang, uh, he's seeing he's having a really great year. He, uh, this movie got nominated, and then his he has a his first ever feature length film 
Didi is uh, w- was picked up at Sundance uh, from Focus Pictures and is going to see a, a summer release. So really exciting time for this guy. Um, really excited to see uh, both Nine Nine Whitepool and also Didi. Um, and then also best live action short. Everyone picked uh, the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, the uh, the Wes Anderson movie. And then best animated short. Everyone picked uh, War Is Over. So. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts? Anything that you guys want to highlight from our tiebreakers? How uh, do you guys pick? I, I don't see that Hannah filled hers out. Did you? Yeah, did you... Mike, I think you left out that detail. That um... <laughs> I didn't fill out half too because I, I just <laughs> couldn't come to and I just didn't know anything about the other. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. Just some context. Uh, everyone, the day the deadline passed, so I locked the Google Sheet where we enter in all of our choices. And I checked out our our picks, and Hannah just left an entire section blank because she's so confident that she's going to win this year again. She's going to three peat or repeat, depending on when you kind of look at our our timeline for our challenge. So, Hannah, explain yourself. Why why did you leave an entire category, entire section of this ballot empty? I mean, I think everyone knows that I fully plan on winning again this year because you just have to three peat. You know, you can't you can't avoid that, right? So that's you know, the first thing, but the second thing is, um, so I filled out my ballot on my phone and apparently my Google sheets was very zoomed in. So I couldn't see the four or five rows for the tiebreaker underneath the ballot of the other. Man. So, I mean, you know, I just think subconsciously I was just that I'm just that confident anyway. So I was like, whatever, not even going to look to see if there's else tiebreaker or whatever i mean mike had already told us that there would be tiebreaker but it's fine i think i'm still gonna win so it, yeah, well, what a freaking boomer dude with your super zoomed in phone come on now <laughs> my iphone is small okay i have the small one because i don't like having large devices hannah hannah's like steph curry shooting a three and then celebrating before she even sees it oh yeah, yeah 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 for sure dude uh, I, I think I are. Did anyone else watch Twenty Days in Mariupol? I I might be the only one that watched it. It's on my watch list. I like movies like that, but I sometimes I have to be in the right mood for them. Yeah, it's, I saw uh, I saw none of the uh, none of the nominees. So uh, I literally okay. just read the synopsis and I picked it, and then I just saw your guys' picks. I was like, huh, I, it must I must be on something here because like because <laughs> everyone else picked the same thing. Yeah, it's uh, probably the most dis- depressing documentary I've ever seen in my life. It's uh, I mean, it's about the war in in, in Ukraine. So I, I mean, I I think the documentary is excellent. But when I was voting, I was like, the first thing that I thought of was like, people are gonna remember the speech when it wins because they're gonna condemn Russia. And you know, the Academy is all about making political speeches. So, uh, you know, but that's you know, the way that I it, it, when I say it, it makes it seem like it's insincere, right? But like, it really is a really good documentary. So. I am rooting for it, but on the other hand, uh, when I when I saw that Nine Nine White Pole was was there, I was like, "That's not an English. I'm going to vote for that because this is an Asian people, dude." So <laughs> I, I don't know. Have you seen it, Paul? So no, you guys no. Have watched it? I, I watched I, it. I haven't <laughs> seen it. I'm, I'm I, I was going to watch it last night, but I, I didn't. It. Yeah, I wasn't even Chinese. How was oh, like, hey, you guys watch it? Excuse me, excuse me, Hannah. It's Taiwanese. Oh, okay? sorry, Taiwanese. Sorry. You know, I've actually purposely said Chinese, knowing that you would come in and say it's actually Taiwanese. Yeah, so. yeah. How, how do you like well to another race that's not? A, I'm <laughs> oh, just kidding. Gosh. I'm just kidding. I don't, I'm not here to start like a political or whatever. Yeah, we're not the we're not the academy. That's the academy's job. <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I I actually think that it really Nine Nine White Poet is actually going to win. I haven't heard of any of these other documentary shorts. I don't know if you guys have, but Nine Nine White Poet has a ton of momentum. Hey, dude, are you sure you're not Chinese? Because you said that with a perfect accent. <laughs> Taiwanese, Mike? You mean Taiwanese? No, I'm just I'm just saying what you <laughs> said earlier. We're all one big family. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You guys need to watch it. I actually, it's like, what, 15 minutes? Wait, is, is it on Disney Plus? Yes, it's on Disney Plus. Okay, because last time I checked, it wasn't on it. So I, it just wasn't on my radar since then. Oh, so, I yeah, think it's I'll also go. on Hulu. 
Okay, yeah, I'll check. I have both, so I'll check it out. Yeah, I cried a lot. I mean, I watched the trailer. I was like, oh, dang, this this looks intense. Yeah, so I really had to like get myself into the mood to watch it. But it was it was very touching. It it makes me really excited for this guy. I think he has like a he has a really good touch. Uh, DD looks like it sounds like an amazing film. Like obviously, there's no trailer yet, but this the idea of it it sounds really great. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's just so crazy that this Sean Wang, um, the director, has gotten just so much momentum with like both films, right? Just the timing and it's crazy because I think we mentioned in our film chat that um, I had seen like casting calls. For DD last summer, I believe, and they were looking for like Fremont locals and like specific kind of like looking um, like Asian slash Asian Americans, and they want to have like uh, actors with no experience specifically, etc. So I'm pretty excited to see the movie because I feel like I kind of had heard about it in its like formative like stages. So I mean, why don't you sign up, bro? Why don't you join okay, the casting I- call? <laughs> Yeah, your your accent's already perfect. You speak oh, perfect wow, Mandarin. Okay. Right? <laughs> I think for the girl, I think they cast it for like an Asian girl that was like twelve or thirteen or something like that. It was something in like middle. Well, you, you have the height of a twelve-year-old, so okay. you, know, yeah. you, you can pull it, you can pull it off. Yeah, yeah they, I, can, they can fix that in post, dude. They definitely would have turned me away. I think knowing that I'm like more than double that age. I want to talk about our Oscar punishment pick. Do you guys have anything in mind? Because we just did an episode on Hannah's Oscar punishment for last year, for 2023, and that was He's All That. If you haven't listened to that episode, please check it out. I think we had a lot of fun with that. We got some positive, encouraging feedback on that episode as well. So thank you, listeners. But uh, this year, okay, if you were to win our Oscars challenge, do you have a film in mind? I guess I'll start. I have some candidates, Okay. I, originally, I said Rebel Moon, uh, part one. Number one, because, you know, I, I was planning on watching it anyway. Uh, but now uh, I can have everyone else watch it with me and just kind of behold what everything I've, I've been hearing about this film, that, that how how special it is, uh, Zack Snyder film. But then Madam Web came out. And I think I'm going to change my pick to Madam Web, and I'm hoping so hard that I can win because I just want everyone to to watch this film. Like it sounds like almost like like a once in a lifetime <laughs> kind of event. Um, are you going to watch Madam Web, Mike? If dude, okay, so check this out. This past uh, weekend, I went to go watch The Taste of Things, and I was about to go watch Madam Web right after that, but uh. I wasn't able to get coffee beforehand. So by the time Taste of Things finished, it was like 10 p.m. And I had to wait like 30 minutes for the next showing of Madam Web. And I was like, I need to give this movie my full attention. Like, I I cannot be sleepy during this movie. It, like, hey, who it, are you, me? <laughs> dude, I just need to, I need to soak it all in that the fact that this exists, like something like this, the way that it's described, it's like some kind of mythological creature that just like came out of nowhere, you know, from the sea. Dude, and, and I was just like, I just want to make a disclaimer the the person who wins the Oscar challenge does not have to be punished themselves. But every year that we've been doing this, they whoever wins like watches the bad movie too. So it's 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 entirely voluntary. Yeah, like we can totally pick good movies, but for some reason, <laughs> everyone just wants everyone to suffer. Suffer. I I honestly didn't think of. A punishment movie, uh, even though I will win. Uh, but I think if I did, though, I don't know. I probably it doesn't have to be a punishment movie. movie. Like, yeah, you know, like like you said, right? It could be any movie, but just, for some reason, we just gravitate towards bad movies. Yeah, I, I think I would. I, I I would want to bless you guys with a good movie. So definitely, definitely something you know, maybe from our favorite director Zack Snyder's uh, portfolio. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> You're going to make us do Rebel Moon Part 1 and 2 back-to-back. Oh, oh my god. The the four-hour black and white cut. So when I win, um, I will definitely be dipping into the Netflix vault again. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> oh, I haven't decided fully, 
but there are some very strong candidates um, for my win. And I will definitely make you guys all watch a terrible, terrible movie. Um, I will probably pick one that's longer this time. Because I feel like 90 minutes of torture is not enough since we've been running this um, Oscar game um, now for the, you know, multiple years. So, yeah, just know that mine will be Netflix. Thanks, Netflix. Uh, um, hey, just know, Hannah, that you can't hurt me because I liked He's All That. <laughs> I liked Christmas Prince. So bring it on. Yeah, this this hurts me more knowing that Mike loves this crap. So it's uh, only a select few of us will will die. Paul, you just got to change your lens, take off those glasses, and then just put on a different lens and you will enjoy it like I have. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, pick up my my poo-stained glasses and just enjoy. <laughs> the, right, the, movie do, the movie doesn't have to be uh, uh, of, of of recent years, right? Obviously, with he's all that, that's been a while. Yeah, I'd probably choose China Strike Force. It's probably one of the worst movies I ever watched. And <laughs> <laughs> I need to. I need to. I need to share that pain with everyone. I don't know for the uninitiated. It it stars uh, Aaron Kwok and and, uh, and and you know Wong Lee Home, whose star has fallen oh my quite considerably, and and uh, Coolio. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I would what love for you to see that. Dude, I know. Albert, now I'm pulling. Uh, Albert, now I really movie. hope you win. I hope I. I hope we all lose except you. Like, yeah, I, I kind of watch... want to watch this. It's 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 one of the worst things I've ever seen. I'm not even joking. So, yeah, yeah. That, there's my pick. There's my pick. All right. Uh, before we close, actually, uh, we had discussed earlier that uh, th there was actually some big movie news that happened this past week. So I think before we close, I just wanted to talk about it with you guys. Uh, we had some Fantastic Four casting, some fast, Fantastic Four casting news. Um, we have Pedro Pascal cast as Mr. Fantastic. We have Vanessa Kirby cast as the Invisible Woman. And I'm so sorry, but I don't remember who the other two guys were. But uh, the Human Torch and and the Thing, they've been cast as well. Uh, one of them, I don't recognize the name. The other one, I recognize his face. Evan but, Moss uh, Backrack. From the, the bear. Thing. Yeah. Oh, that's bear. that's his older brother, right? It's the cousin. Cousin, cousin, cousin. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Yes. And, and then who's the other guy? As Johnny Storm. I have no idea who Johnny uh, The annoying guy from Stranger Things that everyone really loves for some reason. Oh, yes. Oh, right, right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. His character was so annoying in Stranger Things. Yeah, I, I don't know why people fell in love with him. He was earnest. He was earnest. Oh, sure. So what do we All think right. about this news? Because I know that um, for our group, it was a pretty big surprise. And I would assume that if it was a surprise for us, it was probably even more surprising for people like outside of our group, seeing that there have been a lot of chatter like leading up to this, uh, potentially who they were going to cast for Fantastic Four, but also who people wanted, right? And let's remember like who was ca casted as um, Mr. Fantastic in... Um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Mm -hmm. right? We had John Krasinski, so everyone thought that they were going with that casting choice. Everyone naturally thought the Invisible Woman would be Emily Blunt, and none of that happened. Yeah, sad, sad day. But we love Pedro Pascal here, right? Yeah, I think Pedro was a solid choice. Uh, I think Vanessa Kirby, also a solid choice. I'm like, oh, I can totally see her in that role. Uh, the other two, I'm not as familiar. Like I'm, I only watched one episode of the the bear so far. I know I'm sorry, but uh, I, I will eventually get to it to finishing it. Um, but yeah, I, I think so far it's encouraging. I think it just really, really, really depends on the script. Like, just give us a good story, give us good characters. Uh, because it's under the MCU banner, I feel like there's a there's a really good chance that it, that that it it will be good. Right, because that's what happened with Spider Man. Right, Spider Man came back to the MCU in a sort in a sort of pseudo like shared uh, agreement between Sony and Marvel. Once Kevin Feige took over as pr producer, we got amazing Spider Man movies again. Um, I just there are rumors. Say, that this is... Oh, yeah, sorry. Go, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just gonna say I, I'm I'm surprised that uh, most of them are white. That's that's all my <laughs> that's all my input. <laughs> 
I was like, I was like, matter this... what, Paul, it doesn't matter what the thing is. The thing can be like anything, pretty much, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, Michael B. Jordan was the Human Torch. Um, you know, they they had opportunities to to cast non a non white person for Sue Storm. You know, you know, just hey. bringing it back to the race thing. It's always got to be about race. And it, if they uh... if they cast if the only minority was the thing, then that'd be racist, right? So that that can't that can't be. I mean, thing. Pe- Pedro technically is not white, right? Right, but he could like pass as like a tanned white guy. So, <laughs> so it's uh, that's that's just yeah. That was the most thing. That was the most surprising thing about the casting for me. But I think they'll all do well. Do you guys I- think that based on the casting, you can kind of tell like what the tone? Of the movie is going to be well, that that yeah. But the interesting thing is, and it, it seems like it's set in the sixties. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, that. There's rumors that it's thing. like yeah. set in the sixties, like during the dawn, the space age, right? Right. I, so. I think you could tell more about the tone of the movie based on the font that they used for the Fantastic Four title card. I was like, okay, this is not going to be like the the fantastic, dark and edgy uh, type of movie. It's probably going to be like, uh, hello, see. Uh, how's it going? Like, uh, <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> what, I, I th- what is that? I think. Uh, there, I think like how they how they say this. Like it, it's gonna be inch. Marvel's problem is bigger than who they cast right now. Their their yes. biggest problem right now is how are they gonna get audiences back to sit for a ton of other movies, right? And I think they may have complicated things to a point where. People just got tired, even if they did love those characters, right? With phase ones to one to three, it's just you kind of knew what the overall story was. We we're at like five right now, and I, I think we're hard pressed to know where everything is going. And uh, I, I, if they're gonna get Fantastic Four to save the MCU, it it not only has to be a good standalone movie, it has to serve at least reset things or reframe things in the sense that people are like, okay, I kind of get what's going on. Because I, I really do think that's that, you know, Feige's a great producer, is you know, he's done the impossible. But he you could tell his comic book sensibilities may have gone in, you know, the best of him. He kind of thought, well, you know, people can sort of follow these movies like they follow comic books. Um that's all we need and you know because real comic book geeks you know they follow all these storylines they follow all the obscure characters but i don't know if that's true for for mainstream audiences we'll see we'll see what happens but i, I think you know their challenges are so big and, and let's just say fantastic four does take place in the 60s what is that how does that even fit into the rest of the mcu um so i'm curious to to see how they're gonna do that or tackle that I think Deadpool 3 really, really has to be good. It has to be really good. And it has to address the big story issues and character issues that's been going on in a way that's going to be satisfying to audiences and also kind of win us back. And I think I really think it's possible to do that within one movie. And especially with someone as charismatic as Dead Deadpool, but then now you bring in Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. Um, I think that's it's very exciting and I think it's going to make a lot of money for sure. Um, and, uh, I just really, really hope it delivers. I mean, it's, it was very meta in this trailer. I mean, as in a typical Deadpool fashion, right. It talks about the cinematic universe's, uh, issues and how he's going to come in and save it. Like he's, he's Marvel Jesus, right? So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this film. I'm very curious what they do. I don't, uh, I mean, I, I don't think it even has to be that good to turn it around. I think Deadpool 3 will turn around uh, all of Phase... What what are we in right now? Phase 4? Phase 5? Phase 5. Okay, yeah. I, I personally... I mean, I guess this is kind of one of my first like uh, predictions of the year, but I think Deadpool makes an easy $1 billion. Uh, and I think it's going to... It's going to take all those people who are crying and complaining about how there's superhero fatigue and stuff. Uh, I personally don't think that there is superhero fatigue. I think they just needed a movie like Deadpool 3 to come out. And it could get like a 70, like mid-70s and like Rotten Tomatoes. But I think it, it at like that's like the lowest bar. If it makes that, like gets that rating, I think it's going to make like easy billion dollars. And everyone's going to be like, superhero movies are back, baby. 
So that's that's what I think is going to happen. I I just think it has to be good. Like you discard the fact that like oh yeah it doesn't have to be good. Like it it does have to be good because that's the reason why like their movies have been tanking and bombing uh, recently. So I, I wouldn't discount like the quality of it. I think I think that's the issue that they're running into is that they've been churning out such low quality content. I see, but there, there were pretty bad movies in the Phase Two era of Marvel too, and they still managed to eke out something because I think that we knew what the goal was. The, the goal was Thanos, and and you know, I, I and then they they found a way to sort of recontextualize how bad those movies were and and make the necessary, which right. is uh, no no easy feat. I I don't know if they can. I think it's just yeah. It's, some of these movies are bad, but they're also really jumbled. You, you know, even the good ones, I, I have a hard time feeling like oh how 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 does this all fit? You know, so I, I just feel like the inclusion of Hugh Jackman is enough to win everyone over. Like I, I've said in b- previous like uh, podcasts with com- about comic book movies, like literally all it takes is one movie to to win everyone back. And I think you know you do something like bringing back Hugh Jackman who ended on a very high note with Logan, but I mean, I think his, his emergence into, you know, officially entering into the MCU, I think will be a big hit for a lot of people, even if the movie ends up being not that great, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be great. So. Okay. All right. So yeah, as long as we agree on the quality uh, of the film. Um, so yeah. Anything else about fantastic four Marvel Deadpool? All right. Well, if you're listening to this, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Weekend Foolish Movie Podcast. We uh, look forward to seeing you next time. We're not done yet. No. The Supreme Leader is wise. I'm sure you are. Blow that piece of junk out of the sky!